opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another visually impaired seniors' abilities Zoom meeting. Uh, for those of you who I've completely confused, I want to apologize. Um, it's been a very crazy couple of days, and um, I sent messages out that was one for the wrong week and then for the wrong call, and I, everything had followed up. But for those of you who've made it, welcome and thank you for your patience and understanding. Um, this evening, we are going to talk about Grandparents' Day and what role grandparents and great-grandparents and aunts and uncles and great-aunts and great-uncles have um, in your family, in my family, in everyone's, and what we can do to pass on the heritage, the things that we've learned from our grandparents to the next generations within our families, if we have an interest in doing that. I first want to introduce to you, well, first I want to thank Darrow for streaming our call on ACB Radio Community, and welcome everyone, anyone who is listening on that channel, and I want to thank Sheila Young for hosting tonight so that I can facilitate, and reassure you that next week is going to be the financial fitness. It's got nothing to do with girls. It's got nothing to do with December 17th. It will be next Thursday night. <laughs> and with that, let me introduce Larry Johnson, who is um, very active in ACB. He's involved with AA Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. I do have a bad habit of getting into alphabet soup. Um, and a grandfather of 21, and I've learned an awful lot from Larry um, as I enter into, at least I try to tell myself I'm just entering into the senior lifestyle. Um, <laughs> and with that, I think that was a giggle from somebody <laughs> around here. <laughs> it could be my best friend. It could be. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, senior lifestyle is good. Senior lifestyle. <laughs> I'm learning that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let me uh, turn everything over to Larry Johnson. And I want to thank you, Larry, for coming up with this idea and for agreeing to co-host this evening's program with me. Well, thank you very much. And, and I really like the title of this uh, program, Visibility. I like that. That's really clever. I First, I thought it was something about Visa. You know, I thought, oh, well, we're going to learn about the Visa cards. But no, okay. <laughs> but Just that I spend too much on it. <laughs> you know, uh, it, I, I never thought about becoming a grandparent. I don't think anybody ever does. You know, it just sort of happens to you. And you discover a lot of interesting things about your relationship with your children, as well as, of course, the new relationships of the next generation of grandchildren. And the fun about having grandchildren, and many grandparents have said this to me, the fun is that you can enjoy them and then send them home. It's true. So, <laughs> um, we actually had the joy and the pleasure 
of raising from babies a couple of our grandchildren. When <clears throat> one of our daughters became a single mom as a teenager, uh, we, uh, we basically parented her children. And it was a wonderful experience. And uh, we've become very close to those grandchildren as well. But uh, I now have 21 and they're scattered all over Texas. <clears throat> I have about nine great-grandchildren. And uh, the conversations with grandchildren are quite interesting because there is so much that they are curious about, about us, grandparents. They want to know what was what was it like when you were growing up? And, you know, to talk to them about, well, you know, we used to use typewriters. Well, what is a typewriter? Well, you put a piece of paper in it and then you typed on the keyboard. Why, why did you have to put paper in it? You know, so <laughs> these are concepts that are so hard for them to understand, just as initially trying to learn how to use a cell phone. It was really hard for us. And Thank goodness my grandsons basically were there as my mentors, and they taught me a lot about how to use my cell phone and how to uh, record uh, on my phone, make a video, and how to upload it to, uh, to YouTube and to FaceTime. So there's a, there's a, there's a, a trade-off. You, you can inform them and teach them, and they can also inform and teach us. Well, let me give you a little history here. First of all, <clears throat> next Sunday is Grandparents' Day. Next Sunday, September 13th. Now, it doesn't always fall on the same day. In uh, 1978, the Congress, U.S. Congress, passed legislation proclaiming the first Sunday after Labor Day to be National Grandparents' Day. And there was a presidential proclamation signed by Jimmy Carter to make it official. And how did it all start? Well, the holiday actually came into being through the efforts of a woman named Marion, and I hope I don't mispronounce her name. She's not around to correct me, but it's McQuaid, M-C-Q-U-A-D-E, uh, in West Virginia. And Miss McQuaid thought about the idea because she noticed that in her community that it was uh, very sad that many of the senior citizens who lived in the local, uh, who were right, residing in the local nursing homes there, never received visitors from oh. their family. And so that made her very sad. And she decided that she would organize a celebration for these elderly people and that she would work to try to make it a regular event every year. Now, she began her efforts back in 1956, and it took her 22 years to finally get it recognized, and, and the uh, Congress passed the legislation to make it a permanent holiday. But she never really wanted it to be a, you know, a holiday with a lot of commercial enterprise and card giving and flowers and all that. She didn't want that. She just wanted it basically to be a time when we could show appreciation to older person. But of course, the card companies jumped on the bandwagon and uh, they started creating, you know, special grandparent cards and grandparent uh, recognition uh, uh, gifts and so forth. And uh, in fact, um, 
Hallmark thought it was going to become the sixth largest card giving day of the year, but it didn't. <laughs> and so, you know, I've talked to a number of grandparents and they didn't even know that there was such a day. And uh, my grand, my grandkids didn't know it either. They said, oh, oh, grandpa, you got a special day? Yes, I do have a special day. So it's kind of interesting that it's sort of been a, a quiet holiday, a hidden holiday. And the value of it is, is that it really, as I said, serves two purposes. Because on the one hand, grandparents have the ability to share lots of stories and experiences from their own lives with their children's children. And uh, they can also talk to them about the history and the cultural heritage of, you know, where they came from and how it was way back then. Talk about their parents and grandparents. And kids are really interested in that if you start the conversation. The other thing that's really interesting that oftentimes grandchildren will listen more to their grandparents than they will to their parents on certain issues. So they recognize that there's a, a definite wisdom there. Now, I think sometimes that might be because the grandparents are more up to say yes than the parents. <laughs> <laughs> we do do that. That was, my, always, that was always my theory on it, and it usually worked. <laughs> but here's an interesting fact that, um, you know, because uh, grandparents uh, tend, in the United States at least tend to work long into their retirement years, that the number of grandparents who are actually caregivers of their grandchildren in the United States is only about 22%. Whereas in other countries like, like Germany, for example, it's about 46%. And in Italy, it's about 38%. So although um, we may like to believe that we have a lot more closeness with our grandchildren, very often, we're still very busy in our own workaday world, and so we don't find the time to talk with them and listen to them, which is one of the reasons why, back in 1965, the uh, U.S. Congress established something called foster grandparents. Now, foster grandparents, they're not foster parents. They're not taking care of the child. They are simply meeting with the child maybe a few hours a week, a day a week at, uh, at school, hospitals, and they could be little babies or they could be young uh, adolescents. And oftentimes they're providing this type of one-on-one -on -one, uh, mentorship relationship that is so important to a young person growing up to feel special, to feel cared about. And uh, so the foster grandparent program, as I said, began in 1965, and it has really, really blossomed. And it's, uh, it was established under the uh, senior corps. And so there is, for those who income qualify, there's a stipend for those who wish to volunteer to be foster grandparents. And one thing I'd like to know, Terry, is if any of our listeners have ever volunteered as foster grandparents or they know anybody who has done so or they thought about it because uh, you have so many 
choices of ways that you could participate. And and now with um, with Zoom, well, you know, you could do it from your own home. You could have that conversation with that young child uh, or by talking to them, listening to them, helping them with their homework or just listening to their hopes and dreams for the future. There are nationally 350 uh, foster grandparent programs. Some are run by Easter Seal or other nonprofit organizations. And uh, there are about 35,000 foster grandparent volunteers in the United States. So that's what I have to share with you for now. And I'll let you take it on and see if we have any comments. Thank you. Um, I know as far as the foster grandparent program, I have two nieces who have been involved in that, in that there was a program at, I believe it's Boston Children's Hospital, for uh, foster grandparents, for people just to come in and rock the preemies mm -hmm. um, in the NICU. I'm sure that's probably not taking place right now, which is really sad. Um but hopefully when COVID is, is an issue that's behind us, um, something like that can, can uh, be reinstated. Is, is there anyone on here? Um, if anyone is on here who is, more, is familiar with the foster grandparent program or participates in it, would you just raise your hand? I'd be glad to recognize you. Don't think we have anyone at this point. I'd like to get in. No, ma'am, not yet. Wait a minute. Yeah, Kathy. Kathy Lyons has her hand up. Oh, there she goes. Okay, it just it just hit to me. Kathy, you may unmute. It just came to my computer. Hi, Kathy. I was Hi, working Kathy. at um, a place where they had a special unit for dis severely disabled youth, and they had a grandmother program in conjunction with Catholic Charities. And, oh, really? Yeah. And the elders would go in and depending on the age of the child and all that, maybe rock a baby, feed a baby. There weren't too many children there that could talk. So um, now, That's in the Buffalo area? You're yeah. in Buffalo, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah, I thought so. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, That's just, interesting. I know of another program that was in existence, but again, because of COVID, I'm not sure that it is. And I tried to check on that this week, but um, they haven't gotten back to me yet. And I think it's because this was their first week of school opening. Uh, so they're probably up to their ears in dealing with that at this point. <laughs> but we can. Thankfully, in Buffalo, they're going online. Oh, I'm yeah. Not. I have two nieces who are teachers, and I'm so, so glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just so glad for them that they're not going to have direct contact with the students. Actually, I have one that does have to direct. It has partial. It's a hybrid. They're actually, I think they're. I think they're both hybrid. I, I know one of them is hybrid, and I'm not sure if the other one is going in at all or not. Um, but that is interesting to know. Thank you, Kathy. Does You're welcome. Accept? Um, why don't we open up? There's not that many of us. Um, there aren't that many of us on here tonight. So if everybody can keep the background noise quiet, why don't we just open you have, up? 
Terry, you do have someone with a 207 area code with their hand raised. Oh, go right ahead. I, I care. Hi. Hi there. What a, what a great topic. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I had a, I have a, um, just a, a little bit of my own experience with it, but also would love input from folks. My children, their families are scattered all over the country, uh, North and South Carolina and out in Boulder. And um, one of the things that now with COVID that I have missed, because normally over the last eight months or nine, you know, nine months, I would have gone to visit them. Um, a couple of flown out to a couple of them. They would have, a couple of them would have come east. My North Carolina son, uh, South Carolina son would have been in Boston for business and driven up here to Maine. And that's been a real, um, that I just miss that um, because I'm distanced from them anyway. One thing during COVID I did do with one of my grandchildren who um, I'm in touch with because my daughter calls me every day. Um, I, he and I started exchanging via email poems. I wrote a poem to him. Silly, this was all just, and he, then he would write one back to me. And we started giving each other words to use. Like I would gave him the word dirt, write a poem about dirt. And he gave me one to write about cheese. Um, but we've, I'm going to make a book of it, um, actually, and put it together, uh, get that put together. And so that kind of thing, um, is, is, it, it, you know, and these are silly. These are like, you know, five lines and, and makes no, no sense, no, just rhymes and fun and all that kind of thing. And so there's no, was no pressure. I wondered if he would do it. But, um, and because there was no pressure, it didn't have to be right, didn't have to make sense. Who cares? It was just fun. But there's just, lots of ways to do that. Mm -hmm. Great idea. Sounds like a great idea. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. Because, you know, it kind of brings up a question in my mind. Um, do we feel, uh, what I'm wondering is, has COVID um, has these past six months, let's just put it that way, have these last six months changed? In what ways have they changed relationships within your family with your grandchildren? Um, Carrie, do you want me to tell people how to unmute? Yeah, that would be a great help? idea. Okay. Yeah, for great. The, Terry would like everybody to unmute as long as you don't have a lot of background music, background music, background noise, <laughs> <laughs> or music. Um, anyway, to unmute is Alt-A on your phone, to unmute on your, uh, on your computer, to, to unmute on your phone is star six. And on your iPhone, there's a bottom left corner mute thing. Just hit that. So she would just like to have a general conversation, I believe, with everybody having respect for each other. Oh, Lynn. Hi. Lynn has her hand raised. Lynn, good evening. And Carl, you may unmute. Hi, Lynn. Sorry, I'm not a grandparent. Uh, my son is going to get married in January, but um, and he's old, older. But, you know, I, I have... But my son has a grandfather, and of course I had grandparents. And you know what I got from my grandfather that I remember is teaching me songs, you know, that he knew, you know, like Stephen Foster songs, mm -hmm. like yes. that. 
Yes. And, and sitting at the piano with him. I mean, these are the things that I remember. Or he'd come to camp, uh, blind camp that I went to, and he'd, uh, in uh, uh, Camp Allen in Reedsbury, New Hampshire, he'd bring me chocolate lollipops. That's what I remember. <laughs> that's a good memory. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It, that's like I have a similar one. My grandfather, well, my grandfather passed away shortly after I turned six. But to this day, I love John McCormick's Where the River Shannon Flows because I always remember my grandfather singing that to me. And just sitting on the, actually, what we would do is we would go down cellar to listen to the Atwater Kent radio rather so that we could, and he would bring his one glass of beer a night with him. And we would go down there and listen to the Atwater Kent radio rather than stay upstairs and have my grandmother have us on our knees saying the rosary with Cardinal Cushing. (laughs) (laughs) We we would just kind of forget to come up in time for Cardinal Cushing. <laughs> but I always remember cool. him singing, How are things in Tipperary? Uh, it's a long way to Tipperary. Oh, and yeah. River Shannon flows. And to this day, I love both of those songs. And it's That's for sweet. that reason that I do remember, always yeah. remember that with him. Um, yeah, I think, I think we all have really good memories, of, or lots of us are lucky to have good memories of grandparents. My dad's parents lived right next door to us. Um, but we lived in a farm on a farm, so it was across the field. And when I was, I can still remember when I was really little, I would hike across the field and get to the middle, and my grandfather would be plowing or planting or whatever he was doing on his Alice Chalmers tractor, which was one of his <laughs> favorite things in life. And he would swoop me up, and I would sit on his lap, and we would finish going around and around doing whatever he was doing in the field. And that's a great memory. And my grandmother, his wife, um, she was very religious, and she loved to play the piano, and she called it the piano. And I used to go down every afternoon. I know now that I'm a mom, I know that this was a gift to my mother, that I could go down every afternoon and spend like an hour with my grandmother. And we would sing and play What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I still remember that. It was great. (laughs) <laughs> my grandchildren like yours carol are far away they're all scattered i have three girls in atlanta and nico and etta are in louisiana and uh it's hard because especially this pandemic mm-hmm. because we always got together in the summer and went to the beach yeah. and we always got together at christmas i've been telling my kids we're gonna have to buy a five pound turkey at thanksgiving because there won't be anyone to share it with <laughs> yeah. right yeah. Right. And I, guess where, I guess that's where my question is coming in. It seems as though, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I don't have any grandchildren, but I do have some nieces and nephews and a lot of my husband's nieces and nephews and grandnieces and nephews and great grand and all of that. Um, I think in a lot of ways we've become, I've become closer to a lot of them over these last six months with you know, with Zoom calls, with texting, that kind of thing, checking in on each other, that kind of that kind of thing. And one of the things that struck me about it is there's no issue of who's cited, who isn't. Um, right. It's a much more level mm. playing field. And I'm wondering if anyone else has noticed that. Yeah, that's true. My yeah, seven-year-old granddaughter has become a big phone talker. And, you know, and she... When I would visit, she would talk to me, but she had other stuff to do. But now she loves to have really long phone conversations, which is delightful. 
Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I have a niece and a nephew too, and I check on them because my older brother is now uh, in uh, memory care and basically can't even have a conversation anymore. He can't really talk very much and all that sort of stuff. So, so they don't really have that. They have, that, they have their mother, but they don't really have anybody from my family except my dad. And so, you know, I try to check on them and uh, see how they're doing. You know, that's our tradition in our house that every Thanksgiving, we all would gather together and, uh, you know, make a turkey and we'd stand around the table and everybody would kind of recount their year of, um, of thankfulness. And uh, it was kind of sad. Yesterday, my eldest daughter said, Dad, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up and I don't know if we should get together again as we normally do. Because there'd be about, you know, 25 or 30 of us. Yeah. Two or three tables full. So so I said, well, I'll tell you what we can do. I said, we can have a a Zoom meeting and everybody hold up their turkey drumstick. It won't be the same. So what are your your plans uh, for uh, any of you who have extended families? for Thanksgiving. I'm adopting your plan. I like it. <laughs> I, I'll probably do it with Hi. my son, I suspect. I've always, over the years, I mean, for I don't know how many years, have always gotten um, together. My, I'm, I'm in Maine. My family, a lot of my family's in Boston or New Jersey. or And we would all meet and spend, um, you know, um, the three three days or two days together, all together, saying, you know, different houses. And uh, this year, we haven't talked about it yet, but I don't think, um, I don't see how we can do it. I'm, I'm not planning to travel. I always just hopped on the bus and went down to Boston and stayed with my brother. But I'm not sure that I'm going to be doing that this year. Um, oh, it just does not feel like it's not traveling safe. just does doesn't feel right and i love to travel but it just um and i've been you know we're all being really careful but wow yeah i'm i yeah so i have to i'll have to think about that and see what that's going to going to feel like and we'll have to talk about it but yeah i don't know it's tough though yeah i think i don't know my sense is that at least for us um because we usually go up to Boston over Christmas, usually for the better part of a week, and catch up with mm-hmm. everybody, with everyone at once. And I think it's just going to be a last-minute decision this year to see where we're at by the mm-hmm. by the first or the mm-hmm. middle of December. Mm-hmm. Right. Penny, I still wish we were going to be at your house like we usually are for Thanksgiving, because she makes the best the best desserts on earth. (laughs) Well, you know, I have Molly, my dessert-making daughter, too. Yeah, it's going to be sad this year. We had such a nice time last year. We had Terry and Frank and a bunch of my kids and um, and Mm, some friends. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be lonely this year. We're going to, maybe we'll have to do that, have a Zoom Thanksgiving dinner. I think maybe. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. But you can't eat a pie on Zoom. (laughs) <laughs> you think maybe we could get Molly to drop them off at doorways on her way around? <laughs> maybe, maybe. 
<laughs> well, and oh. we have a, we have a new grandchild on the way. He's due in February, and I just hope that we can um, meet him and touch him and hold him and be with him when he arrives. I'm afraid the mm. pandemic is still going to be on. And oh, I- yeah, I think so. I think so. And, you know, that's what my, my son and, and his fiance are thinking about, doing their wedding on Zoom. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's wow. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you know. yeah we have mm-hmm. a friend whose um, son and daughter-in-law had a baby in, I think it was the end of April, and she hasn't been able to hold it yet. I mean, that's so sad. Oh, my God. Really? Wow. Well, I have held my two-week-old granddaughter twice. That's that's wonderful. I am not letting that not happen. What's what's her name? Her name is Allison Marie, and she was born two weeks ago Wednesday. Oh. Is that your your first, Sheila? No, dear. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. What was two weeks ago Wednesday? What was the date? August 26th. Oh, the 26th. One of the funny things, I'll just tell you the reason why that caught me. I couldn't remember which day of the week it was. Penny and I became best of friends of this total aside story. Um, we had known each other on the old ACBL. This is what, where we met on ACBL. 21 years ago. And we, we both went to work for the ACB in the ACB national office on the same day. Both of our husbands have the same birthday, different years. Different years, but the and, same day. And we both have the same wedding anniversary, which is August 25th. Oh my God! That's oh. A- <laughs> I remember you telling that story. Yeah, we knew that we we had to be best friends right away because obviously we were meant to be together. Oh, that's cool. That Very cool. cool. Well, I have to share my most treasured experience as a grandparent. Oh, you know, tell us. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because uh, when. Uh, I, most, all of my children were born in Mexico, and this is many, many years ago. And and the father was never allowed in the delivery room, so I didn't know, you know, what baby came out until finally the doctor would come out and say, "You had a son, or, you had a daughter, you had a," and, and I thought, "Okay, okay." So that was my experience with with the arrival of babies. Well, fifteen years ago. My eldest daughter was uh, going to have her third child. And so my wife and I went to the hospital and I said, well, come on in. You want to come into the delivery room? Said, yeah, that'd be wow. cool. So we went into the delivery room. And uh, so we're sitting there and uh, you know, the baby pops out. And uh, so the nurse hands the baby to my wife who says, oh, yeah, oh, she's so cute. And she said, here. I said, what do you mean here? She said, put out your arms. I'm giving you a baby. (laughs) So, you know, it wasn't even 60 seconds after that baby was born that I was holding her. It was, it was very special. Scary yet exciting and thrilling experiences I've ever had. And then what followed was even more bizarre. My daughter Wanted to name her uh, Isabella Chanel. And, oh, crazy. And, and my wife and I said, no, we don't like Chanel. We're going to change the name. My, <laughs> my daughter is half groggy. She doesn't know what's going on. So 
her best friend, Linda, is standing there, and my wife and I, and we say, well, you know, let's give her another name. And so we decided, I, you know, I think Rose would fit better because it's shorter and it fit better, Isabella Rose. So we said, okay. So we told the nurse, put that on the birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, my my daughter woke up the next morning, and the nurse said, "Oh, by the way, do you know your parents changed your daughter's name?" So not only did I get to hold Isabella Rose, that got to name her, second, but I got to also help christen her. So that was that was the most thrilling experience. What's been? What's been any of the grandparents? What's been your most exciting grandparent moment? This is oh, Kathy. To say. Wow! And um, my great nephew was playing with compressed foam blocks, and they were really bright colors. So uh -huh. he'd pick one up, and I'd say it happened to be yellow, and he picked another one up, yellow. So he picked up about four blocks, and they were all yellow. Now, he was about, I don't think he was two years old yet. We were riding in the car and a school bus went by and he said yellow. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was very happy that he learned the color yellow from me. <laughs> That's very cool. That's very cool. That is cool. That is cool. My, uh, my grandson, Nico, was, um, he was almost, let me think how old he was. He was like, eight or nine and uh, he had a new baby sister and so I went down to help with the new baby and uh, I was working for ACB then and um, I was uh, writing a note to myself in braille and he was very curious and so he learned the, the whole code the, during that week I was there wow. and then he took a p really sharp pencil and wrote me a note and signed it in Braille. Love, Nico. Wow. And he didn't even he didn't even oh. have like a slate. He just used the the pencil and figured out how to space the dots. It was very cool. Oh. So cool. That is so cool. That yeah. is very cool. Yeah, a couple of my grandchildren have made attempts at writing Braille, and they do the same thing that you're talking about. I they they I I gave them a, a sample alphabet, and then they used the pencil to punch. Uh, holes in the paper to make the dot. It's fun when they're you know when they're that elementary school age. It's because it's like a, learning a secret code. It's fun. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And I mean, has any of you ever thought about writing a memoir to leave for your children and grandchildren and great grandchildren? That's exactly what my question yeah. is going to be. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm actually writing a cookbook. I'm not writing a memoir, but I am going to leave recipes for my kids and my grandchildren. <laughs> nice. There were just so many things that, you know, I, I was talking with a woman recently and that's going to be a call in a couple of months. I'm not exactly sure how we're going to do it. We've got a couple of different possibilities going, but there's a woman who has written a fascinating book. Um, and that was how it started. She was originally from Vietnam back in the 1940s and 50s. Wow. And um, she, it's going to be out on Bard in a couple of months. And that when, when just before it comes out, we're going to be doing something either on this show or Lua or BRL or something. We're not or Tuesday Topics. Not sure where it's going to be yet. Um, but that's how her book started was she wanted to write 
about her early years for her uh, children, her two children. And the thing eventually just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and she did eventually have, it was eventually published as a book. And I'm not saying that we all need to do that or that we're all capable of doing that. Um, mine would probably have comics in it more than yes, anything. Yes, sir. Else. <laughs> but I think that it's but I, I think that it's a wonderful thing. How many have we don't have literally a family Bible as such. We just call my grandmother's book that she wrote everything under the sun in. <laughs> we call it the family Bible. You want to know what her electric bill was in 1971? <laughs> it's in there. <laughs> um, that kind of thing. And you don't really need to get that specific, but I think it'll be, you know, maybe we should all try to give each give ourselves a bit of a homework assignment of just writing even if we just wrote out one story about something that you remember from your grandparents or from mm -hmm. your parents from early in your life and i think maybe it you know it kind of generates regenerates itself that we that wouldn't it be a wonderful gift to give to the to the later generations if you had something you can braille it out you can record it you can type it you, well who's got a typewriter anymore ah it sounds like you do though larry huh um you know that that's an excellent idea and i have i have been um, motivated to write a couple of books about my uh my life and uh, one of them particularly my grand children really enjoyed because I wrote about my life as a as a young boy and one some of them were stories about when I was a boy scout and you know I I, I told uh, stories about how the bigger kids would play tricks on me and you know they would make believe uh, tell me make believe stories that well you know there's a there's a bird that you can catch but you gotta kneel on the ground and you gotta hit the ground with a stick and hold this bag and then the, the bird will come into your bag and you can catch it. And when you're 12 years old, you believe all this it's stuff. Been <laughs> yeah. And anyway, so my one of my grandsons read that and he said, that was so mean of those kids to do that. And oh, I would have really gotten mad at them. And, and they, they can relate. You know, you tell them stories about when you were young and and the little kind of silly things that you did, it, they really can relate because basically we share so much identity. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're blind or sighted or boy or girl. We all share so many of the same experiences as, as young people, as teenagers or preteens. We're scared. We're, we're curious. We take risks, th good things happen, bad things happen. Yeah. <laughs> we true. get embarrassed, etc. And 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 it's just this one way to really communicate with them. Because then you're not this, you know, this big kind of all-knowing, all-wise, stuffy adult. You're you're somebody who was vulnerable and young just like they are. Yeah, that's great. That's true. That's true. I think another thing that's also um, another area that's good is to let, you know, it's one thing to do back in the, what was it, in the late 70s or so, everybody got into their roots and mm -hmm. we everybody did their family tree. 
Well, you know, yeah. you can ha- you can have names of people on that on that, but to actually tell stories about those people in something that that gets passed on to that that gets passed on to your grandchildren, that's something that they're going to learn about their great great grandfather, you know, or somebody like that. And I I don't know, maybe I'm just too much of a historian, but I think that is a really neat thing um, to know. I mean, I don't think my I'm can't imagine my grandnephews um, ever knowing if it weren't for somebody writing it down that their great 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 I think it's great great it's my grace so actually their great 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 I think grandfather was killed in an explosion in a hemp rope factory in Brooklyn in 1908 Oh, you know, that kind of thing, you know, just things that have happened in. And that's why his wife, had, his wife died almost like within a year. And that's why how we ended up in Boston, because they had originally um, lived in, in Brooklyn. Wow. Um, and, you know, and that kind that kind of thing. I, I just think that it's nice. You know, if we have another roots epidemic, not epidemic, but <laughs> resurgence. <I hear> tongue. <laughs> resurgence is, might be a better term. You know, 50 years from now, wouldn't it be great for those kids to have those stories about their own families? Well, it's just and, like my so, mother. How so many of us know so many of those? Right. My mother had polio in 1956. Oh, boy. Well, wow. You know, yeah. the kids now don't even know what polio is. No, they don't. They yeah, don't. And exactly. she she was in a rocking bed and iron lung for nine months. Oh, and wow. If you, were, if you were to say that to a young person, kid now they wouldn't know what that is they would say what are you talking about yeah. you know what that? Really that would be great for them to learn that you know it would be, it, would be. it was pretty significant in our childhood remember oh, yeah. all, all the summers when we couldn't go anywhere be, where there was would be crowds because our parents yes or we had to have the the polio shot Oh yeah, yeah. Or the sugar, we all lined the up for that cubes. in elementary yeah. school. Yeah. So the, we got the sugar cube. Yep, that too. <laughs> oh, we got the shot. I'm I'm older than you. I, I, yeah, I got this. <laughs> we got the shot, and it was a sock and the saving and all that kind of stuff. Right, yeah. right. And yeah. you know what else? Like we all wonder why we know so little about the the pandemic that took place in 1911. <laughs> we we at the, yeah, it started in 17. I think anyway, we should be. Um, we should be helping our grandchildren remember oh, yeah. this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think that's right. And I think just the fact that and I do tell my you know son stuff about his my grandmother, his who would be his great grandmother. Um, you know, and things that I know about the family because, you know, he won't know otherwise. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This is a the other thing heart. too that's very helpful with that is it's come into my life in a, in a different way, but it's made me more aware of it, is by doing that, you're also um, letting them know medical history. Medical history yeah. is really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's Terry, true. Terry, Kathy, Kathy is Kathy trying to get your attention. Kathy, oh, I just, oh, Kathy, hi. Hi, I just wanted to say that uh, I was thinking about this today on NPR. They had a story about displaced persons after the war and my um, mother and father-in-law were those that type of person and um, unfortunately 
they both died, and my husband died young, unexpectedly, and nobody seems to to know. I I just seem to kind of soak up all these stories about them, you know, mm-hmm. leaving Yugoslavia yeah. um, after the war, and all and the details of my father-in-law was um, drafted into the. German army at 16 because they ran out of real Germans and um, so anyway I don't they're not my children biologically and it's been hard because they're in California and I'm in Ohio but um, I think I should write all this stuff down because it's really interesting and I don't think anybody would know about it yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, I mean, you yeah. definitely should write it down. You definitely should write it down because you know it's sad. These memories will will slip away, and and people will never know their yeah. their history. Well, and if if if, if you don't tell, uh, like my family has a lot of uh, mental illness, and both my mother and my father's side of the family. If you don't tell the the people, and this is what I'm worried about with my older brother because they don't really know what he's got. And I said, look, his children have a right to know what their chances are for Alzheimer's, dementia, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, you know, when we write it down, we jog our own memories too, yeah. and like memories just leave. You know, it's like a labyrinth that just. One memory leads to another, and that's really pleasant to, for but for us as well. You know, uh, you mentioned the polio epidemic, and of course, I grew up in that. And it, it's interesting because a lot of the same fear and and self isolation took place back then. You know, children were uh, during the summer were told and not to go to the, the park, and you don't go in the swimming pool, and you right. don't drink from the same water fountain. Right. And what are we hearing now? That's, that's what he's saying. That's what yeah. he's saying. Yeah. 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 Same, same, same kind thing. of fear and same kind of uh, panic, really. And so if you, mm-hmm. if you give the, the idea that, that this was what was happening with polio and certain other uh, communicable diseases and things that people could get, then it gives people a sense of history and historical understanding of it. And that's really true about a lot of these things. Well, it also gives them a sense of reassurance. Hey, we got through yeah, the we got big the flu epidemic yeah, exactly. of of nineteen seventeen. We got through the polio epidemic, which lasted for about twenty five years. Exactly. You know, so we're going to get through this, and right. people need to have that sense of uh, reassurance. All right. Yeah. Hey, I've got before we before we conclude. Uh, <clears throat> I've got a a little funny. I got to share with you. I've got. Okay. Go ahead, Larry. So this. Uh, so this man goes, the senior goes to the doctor and he, you know, gets all these tests and everything. And, and uh, so he says, well, how am I doing, doc? He says, well, he said, I, I've got these pills. I want you to take this green pill in the morning before breakfast with a big, tall glass of water. I want you to take the blue pill at lunchtime with a big glass of water. And at night before going to sleep, I want you to take one of the red pills with a big glass of water. And the man says, wow, gee whiz, doctor, you know, all these pills, what what, what seems to be my problem? He says, you're not drinking enough water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a good joke. Sorry. That is good. <laughs> uh, Let me ask you, um, I'm thinking about 
the idea of doing, you know, some of this writing out these things um, could seem a bit daunting to some people. But, you know, there's so many ways that you could do it. You could put make it into a scrapbook. Um, Larry has actually kind of guilted me into something that I started. Um, I happen to be the family pho- photographer, uh, a photo historian. I have when when like when my my mother passed away and that all the family photos went to Terry's house. <laughs> I have probably about four, three to four thousand photos in my house. Wow. Um, and trying to go through where they're from and when and all of that is great fun. But I've scanned them in and Larry said, why don't you write a little something about each one of them? You know, I was I was doing well to put a file name on it, <laughs> but you know it's I think it's a really good idea, and I've been copying some of them into a word file and just writing something under it. Um, cool. If you can do that with the pictures, cool. fine. If you just write something, somebody else can find a picture probably of it from some from some point in time, um, yeah. and that kind of thing. Wouldn't that be a really, really nice? I'm thinking this now when it's only September. Wouldn't that be a? Wouldn't that be a, make a lovely holiday gift? Well, you, yes, you, you say it's only September, but if you did that, it would take you until Christmas to do it. Exactly my point. I was trying not to wish that, but you're right. The other thing too is you can put the whole thing on a CD. I did. We've done this. Frank's family and I have done it as well. We've done. Of you know when we, we they did one for instance when Frank's mother was turned a hundred, we did an, um, a, a CD. They did a CD of her life, Aww. and that, and just sent out a CD. Wouldn't that make for a nice Christmas card? Oh, this year? Yeah. Oh, wow. Holiday card in general, yeah. or for somebody's birthday, or in yeah. memory of you know. It's just occurring to me. My mother's my mother's birthday was in February. Was the day after Valentine's Day. That would give me an extra two months to get it done. Um, <laughs> and to send it out as a gift in memory of that person's birthday, something yeah, like that. Nice. It's just a few thoughts that I've had about um, how uh, ways and how how tos of passing a lot of this information on to people in the family. And you know, today. Some of the kids might not care about it, but when they get older, they might, or one of their kids might be interested in it. I know my brother has never been much of a historian, but one of his daughters is absolutely, um, totally into the the whole family and family history and that. Um, Yeah, because you're going to find that some of those pictures, uh, people won't remember who is who. And uh, the only yes. way they're going to know is if somehow they are identified and the the, se- the scene is identified. So you don't have to write a, you know, a lot. Just say, you know, this was uh, Mary and Sam and Joe and so forth at the beach when we were celebrating somebody's birthday or something like that. So there's a there's a, a relevant and if you can't see the pictures yourself, maybe if you sat down with someone who could and they're saying, well, there was a wooden china cabinet built into the wall behind you. <laughs> oh, that must have been a picture when we lived on yeah. Hazel Road. Um, yeah. And the description of the picture, you might be they, they it will jog your memory. Um, Terry, um, Terry, this is this. Carol Hi, this is Carol. Um, uh, when my dad, he passed away, he was 102, God bless him. Wow. But for his his 
100th birthday, I actually no, we did it when he passed. Um, I put together, I asked each person, family members to send um, a written thing about a memory or a story or whatever. And I put together, it was quite simple. It was just, you know, um, eight by 11 pages and got them printed um, with some pic- couple of pictures, but notes from grandchildren, from, from, all fa- from all family members, different family members. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it, I still, we all still have it. Of course, each of us have a copy. I think we did probably 25 copies. I don't remember, but really it, nice. it was so simple, simple to do. It was not, there was nothing hard because no one, all someone had to write was a, was a page of maybe a story, a memory of, of we, we call it, my father would call him Pappy. And uh, it was just wonderful. And everybody had a copy of that. So they could walk away from that memorial service with that book. It was really, that's very nice. I had some, my cousins did something like that. They had a cousin, they had a sister, I'm sorry, who she was always the one that did all the cooking for the family parties and mm-hmm. they were big party people, that that side of the family. And when she passed away, they did a, a booklet, something on this idea that you're talking about um, of all of her her uh, recipes. It was like 25 oh, wow. ones that, you know, had her mm-hmm. crab cake recipe and I think cool. She used to run a um, like a B and B arrangement up in out in the Catskills for hunters in the winter. So she had some great winter stew type recipes, yeah, cool. mm-hmm. and they just put those kinds of things together. And the whole thing was just called called jars recipes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. That kind of thing. We are running short on time. I think someone else was trying to say something a few minutes ago. Or am I wrong? I think it was Carol. Oh, I thought it was somebody behind here. Okay. You know, for somebody who is more audio oriented, another thing that you might could do would be to to make an uh, an audio recording, maybe, you know, three or four minutes of every family member that you can contact. And so you have a kind of a sound file and maybe you, you have a kind of a prepared question that you're going to ask them. Tell me a funny story. Uh, that you can remember and or 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 most memorable experience or whatever you want it to be. Yeah, you know, uh, NPR yeah. NPR does. Uh, they sponsor uh, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what, and so they have uh, they encourage people to interview people and um, record it. That's a good idea. Three more minutes. Yeah, because you're hearing their voice as well. You know that. Uh, yeah. That's pretty significant. That is, you know? it it is. significant. Yeah. It is, and it's yeah, it is pretty significant. <laughs> yeah, it's even reminding me one day, um, I think a lot of you knew Marlena Lieberg. Uh-huh. And um when Marlena when Marlena was pass was dying, um, there were what, ten or twelve of us had gotten together <laughs> at Penny's yeah. dining room table. That was um, fun from around the country and we just went around and did a video and everybody just everybody said something or talked yeah. to did a, yeah. fu- a funny story or something and it was she so appreciated that yeah that was fun to do and it was fun to do it yeah i mean it what we just did it spur of the moment it probably i mean we were all minutes. sad but we all remembered happy stories and happier times and it was really cool you know and I you think could our, do that, our time is about up here 
Jerry, I think our time is about up, isn't it, Daryl? It is. It's just about up. I want to thank you all. Um, I know we've had a small group, but it's been a very, very pleasant. I think everybody that's wanted to has had a chance to talk and to share. And thanks all. Thank you, Larry, um, for all the great work you've put into getting tonight's show together. I really appreciate it. Um, next week, we're going to be doing uh, financial fitness part two. Um, Amelia will be back. And I believe we're going to have either one or two other people that have been invited. And I think one of them is just about certain he's coming out. I'll, I'll know for sure before the week is out. Um, who's a fiduciary. Um, the other thing I wanted to tell you is I believe as of tomorrow, I will put out an announcement, but I think as of tomorrow, we were, we are going to have a visibilities email list. It won't be on ACB lists because we're not an actual ACB affiliate. Um, but I think it's, um, but we, I believe we will have an email list. And I think before the week is out, our new website is going to be up as well. Good. So that Congratulations. Cool. Thank you. Wow. I'm, I'm, I've been working on it, but I haven't got it quite finished. I'm hoping to have it. <laughs> I had told everyone September 1st, okay, so I work on Irish time. I'm always <laughs> I'm hoping that we have it done by next Thursday. Um, with that, I want to thank you all very much. Thank you, Sheila, for hosting. Thank you all. No problem. Good night, everybody. I'm going to. I'm going to God bless. Thank you, Terry. Whoa, time out. Time out. I just want to ask just for one quick moment, um, just, a, just a moment of reflection. We have a very, very dear friend who's in um, the final stages of this life. And I'd just like to have everybody at least have a happy thought, a good, a good, some warm hugs going out. Absolutely. And, For who? And it, well, it's, it, I, it, most people, some people wouldn't know. We'll oh, oh. get into it at another time. First name, perhaps. First name. And um, we will, and I thank you all very much. And... Let's you remember the ACB next week. Have a good night. Good night, Terry. God bless. Thank, Thank you. you.